There's a war on for the soul of America, an ideological, political, and spiritual war. Will America abandon her place as a last beacon of hope in an ever-darkening world? Or will she rise again and lead the world into a new era of freedom and prosperity? I am your host, Phil Hotzenpeller, and this is American Faith Battleground. I'm Phil Hotzenpeller with American Faith Media News and Outlet, and we just want to take a moment right now and introduce you to a guy who you probably already know, whom I've grown to love in a little, really short time. I'm telling you, you blew me away when you were at my house on Friday, and uh, I already told you that, but this is Roger Stone, and Roger has been in, out there in the public for so long, especially recently, Roger, a lot to tell Tell your story. Thank you for being with us. Well, I think it's pretty simple. Most Americans, thanks to CNN, know my story. Uh, I've been an American political operative for 40 years. I had the privilege of working for three Republican presidents, four if you count the recount for George W. Bush. Bushes were never my cup of tea. But um, I'm also a 40-year friend and confidant of, of uh, Donald Trump. And because of that, I was targeted in the Mueller witch hunt and put through two years of hell where I was essentially vilified, smeared, terrorized. I think as most people know, arrested at five o'clock in the morning when 29 heavily armed FBI agents stormed my home for the entirely fabricated first time nonviolent crime of lying to Congress, mm -hmm. kind of a joke. Uh, and um, it became very clear to me that I was headed into a Soviet style show trial. Mm -hmm. You know, a stacked rigged jury, dishonest prosecutors, a completely biased judge, incapable of hiding her hatred for me and the president. Uh, and a, a time came when in my despair, I realized that there was no way out. So I finally listened to the sound advice of a number of pastors who I had befriended during the 2016 campaign, Pastor Mark Burns, Pastor Daryl Scott, Pastor Randy Coggins, uh, and then ultimately Franklin Graham, who I was able to get an audience with when he visited Boca Raton. And um, look, I was a libertine. I, I make no bones about it. I lived a, li a wild lifestyle. I had been born as a Roman Catholic. I had received my sacraments in the church. My mother insisted on religious training and, and church every Sunday. But as soon as I was an adult, as soon as I went to college, I wandered. Mm -hmm. uh, and it became clear to me that there was only one salvation. There was only one way to take this horrific burden off of my shoulders, and that was to turn to Jesus Christ. And then I attended Franklin Graham's revival in Boca Raton in a field with, I don't know, 2,000 people. It was an extraordinary moment. Now, as a young man, I had the opportunity to meet Billy Graham when I was working for President Nixon, but I actually saw him the first time when I was 12 years old. Um, my grandmother was working as a domestic in the home of some very wealthy people in Darien, Connecticut. And the cook in the household um, was a follower of Billy Graham's crusade. And she asked my parents whether she could take me to the crusade in wow. Bridgeport, Connecticut, with an enormous tent. And it was August. It was very hot. <laughs> uh, and I remember it like it was yesterday because Billy Graham came out and he looked like a bronzed god. 
Every hair was in place. He was deeply tanned. He was a commanding presence. And by the end of his remarks, he was drenched in sweat. He'd taken off his jacket. He'd loosened his tie. His hair was hanging in his face. He was completely disheveled. But he had this crowd in the palm of his hand. It was almost like, for me, like a political experience in the sense that I saw him move these people to Christ. Mm. Uh, and then in 1971, when I was working with President Nixon, I had uh, been re uh, had been assigned to um, pick Reverend Graham up at the Key Biscayne Hilton in a golf cart and drive him over to the president's combine, mm. a compound. And uh, Billy Graham gave me a signed Bible, which I still have. Wow. So of course I jumped at the opportunity to meet his son. Now, Franklin Graham has a very different style than his father, but he's no less effective. Mm. Uh, and he got to the point in his oration where he said to the crowd, I don't care if your problem is a gambling addiction or alcohol addiction or drug addiction or financial problems or family problems or health problems. Jesus Christ will provide. Jesus Christ will not abandon you. Jesus Christ and the Lord will, will never forsake you and they will deliver you from your persecutors. They will deliver you from your demons. So those who want to live forever with our Heavenly Father, stand up now and confess your sins. And at that moment, I felt the calling. Mm. It, it was natural. I wasn't ashamed. I wasn't embarrassed. It was, it was the logical thing to do. I, it, it was, it was extraordinary because I entered this field with two thousand other Christians, completely burdened. I was depressed. I was angry. I was scared. I was worried, and I left there with a bounce in my step. Mm. Mm. And when I got home, my wife said, "What happened to you?" Huh. And I said, "Sweetheart." It's all going to be okay. Yeah. God is going to deliver. Wow. I have trouble telling this story. Mm. Mm. Give me a second. In any event, you know the rest. Mm -hmm. I was put through a Soviet-style show trial. Uh, I was uh, headed to a dank COVID-19 infested prison in violation of all federal laws and regulations because, you see, they couldn't risk my case being uh, appealed my appeal would have exposed their corruption. Uh, and I'm convinced to this day that the Lord gave the president the strength and the courage in an election year to provide me clemency and save my life. Uh, so now what I want to do is twofold. First of all, I want to tell people my story because if God helped me, he can help anyone. Amen. No one has a hopeless situation. Mm. I am living proof that Jesus Christ can do anything because I was cooked. Mm. Uh, and then secondarily, mm. I feel strongly that this nation is at a crucible, that this is not just a struggle between two different political parties with slightly different governing philosophies who both love America. This really is a struggle between dark and light, between mm. good and bad, between the godly and the godless. And the Democratic Party has, of John F. Kennedy and Harry Truman, no longer exists. Mm. It has been taken over by godless, atheistic socialists who seek to destroy our constitutional liberties and take down the church as well as our society. Mm. And therefore, when my own children and my grandchildren, after this near-death experience, said to me, Grandpa, maybe it's time for you to retire. Mm. Maybe it's time for you to just lay back, write some more books, become more of a historian, but withdraw from the arena can't do that. Mm -hmm. 
there's a fight coming for this country and I will be in it. Amen. And, and I have no qualms about it. God saved me for some purpose. Mm -hmm. God preserved my life for a purpose. Mm -hmm. Now, I don't know how that will be revealed to me. I don't know if it'll be a dream or a burning bush or a man walking up to me on the street and telling me something or something that pops up on my computer screen. But I do know this, when I see it, I will know. Mm -hmm. And I'm ready to do the Lord's work. Mm -hmm. That's a great story. And you know, I, I love the heart behind it and that's what I told you Friday night when we talked and I just, uh, a scripture comes to my mind is one where Paul said, you know, he's in jail. He's in a, a Roman prison that was not pleasant. And he says, you know, I have this heart desire to go and be with the Lord. But to be with you and to minister to you, I choose that. And I think we're always torn in this tension of, you know, gosh, to be with God or to have an easier life or things to be okay. But there's also that purpose and that mission that God has put in you. And, and I, I hear that and I know that's coming to you. And like you said, you're going to know it. You're going to see it. It's going to be revealed. But I love the heart and you realize how powerful what you just said, your testimony, is to other people. And we want to help get that story out. Uh, to as many people as we can, but there's a second thing I really want to touch on, and that is your lovely wife, and I know that the government did a great job in bankrupting you, so to speak. I, I don't, hope I'm not out of line saying that. Not at all. But it's I know truth. that the expense and the insurance you lost uh, and the helping to, to, for your wife to, to have help in her cancer, can you tell us something about sure. what we can do? Well, I think that my wife being diagnosed with stage four cancer roughly three weeks ago is the manifestation of two and a half years of stress. Mm. Uh, she was my rock during the trial. I decided when the, when the government offered me a deal, which was really no deal, to bear false witness against the president in return for leniency, which I rejected. Uh, I knew I was headed to a federal prison unless there was divine intervention. Uh, my wife was diagnosed only weeks ago with stage four cancer. Mm. Um, this is something we didn't expect. It's certainly something we cannot afford. I'm in a rebuilding phase because this is a tactic of the federal prosecutors to destroy you financially in order to pressure you to cooperate. They did it to General Flynn, a truly great man, a man of <clears throat> destiny, in my opinion. Mm. Uh, they did it to me. Uh, therefore, I have no choice but to go out and raise what I need for her cancer treatments. People can help us at stonefamilyfund.com. Thousands of Christians have already helped us. Um, she has great resolve. Mm. She faces this with great stoicism, with great bravery, with great resolve. Um, we are covering her with prayer. There are people literally around the world. Mm -hmm. We had a prayer chain from Israel three nights ago. Mm. It was amazing. There were hundreds of people on the line wow. in Israel praying for my sweet, beautiful wife. So um, it, is, it is yet a, another trial, but I've read the book of Job. Mm -hmm. uh, and I know that while God did not allow Satan to kill Job, he allowed him to test him mightily. Mm -hmm. And in the end, because Job was faithful, God gave him everything he lost back twofold. Mm -hmm. For me, as a Sicilian, as someone who is a half Italian, uh, probably the most meaningful part of the Bible would be Hebrews 10, 30 through 31. Vengeance is reserved for the Lord. Mm -hmm. The people who attempted to destroy my life, 
deserve God's vengeance, but it's not up to me. In mm -hmm. fact, I don't even have to worry about it. Mm -hmm. God will deal with the evil ones, mm -hmm. uh, and this gives me some comfort. That's good. What's your wife's name? Her name is Nidia, N-Y-D-I-A, Nidia Stone. Nidia. Nidia. Let's pray for her right now. Father, we just lift up Nidia. We pray, God, for her healing. We pray the power of God fall on her even now. We also pray, God, for all the resources to be released uh, for the, to cover all the medical payments. We thank you for this brother in Christ, for his bold and strong testimony, for the way you have transformed him. And Father, you have also set in him a destiny and a purpose uh, that will be revealed and will be seen. And we just love you. We thank you for this time together. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you so much, Roger. Thank you. Great to meet you. you. God bless you. I want to thank you for listening to American Faith Battleground. 